0: I was interviewing my mother for, like, oral history. I always was fascinated by my family story. And I had um, flown back from New York and had been recording my mother's voice, and she'd been telling me our family history. It was after midnight, and she told me to turn off the tape recorder. And And she said, what I'm about to tell you
1: cannot go on the tape. Julie was 28 at the time and she was sitting with her mom in her parents' house in Monterey Park, California. And I already knew what she was going to say. I had a feeling because
0: all my life I'd grown up feeling like I wasn't wanted.
1: And what her mom told her that night changed everything.
2: I knew about the secret before I met Julie. I read her blog.
1: I'm talking to Mark, Julie's friend and book editor.
2: Um, It was the first thing she told me when we met, the very first thing, because it was still top of mind for her. It was top of mind for her from the moment she found out to the moment she died. It was the establishing fact. It was year zero.
1: This is Episode 2, The secret. Eleanor Kagan. It all starts with Julie's grandmother. She was born in Hainan, an island off the southern coast of China. When she was a teenager, she was brought to Vietnam as part of an arranged marriage.
0: And she hated her mother-in-law, who was also, you know, was controlled her life and you know, when she was younger and you know, she had to take care of her mother in law's other children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so her husband's siblings. Yeah. So she would she even breastfed one of them. I mean, my grandmother hated her mother-in-law, my great grandmother.
1: Eventually, grandma has five sons of her own, and Peter, the oldest, is Julie's father. He meets Anne, Julie's mom, and they have two kids, Lena and Mao. The Vietnam War ends in 1975, and then the country is thrown into total chaos. And it's during this that Julie's born in January of 1976. She's born blind from cataracts, and there are no doctors left in the country who'd be able to perform surgery on her. They've all fled. Communist forces are pouring down from the north, taking over villages, and people are escaping in droves. Julie's family stays as long as they can, but finally, they decide they need to go too.
2: Do you have memories from the bone? Mm-hmm, sure. you do. Mm-hmm. You were two and a half. Like
1: the cataracts
0: were not it's not a it's not a dark blindness. it's It's not like darkness, uh-huh. right? It's a white covering. So you can still see light and you can still see like shades, colors, you know, like vague, vague, nothing
1: nothing clear. In the final few months of her life, Julie sat down with Mark and her mom to talk about all this.
0: So, so it yeah, was, yeah. so I had a sense of sight in the sense that I could perceive color.
2: Daytime and night.
0: Night, and and I remember like people crying and moaning on the boat and praying at night. And looking up at the, and I can hear, right? So I can hear the, I, can, I and I can see in the sky, like everybody's staring up in the sky.
1: The fishing boat was packed with 300 people. And it was small, 50 feet long, 12 feet wide, and it's constantly leaking.
2: It is a tiny, rickety wooden bowl. That's Mao,
1: Julie's older brother. He was only five at the time, but he says he remembers it all like it was yesterday.
2: And, uh, you know, we all sat together in little tight spaces, you know, like, there's there's no, like, sleeping area, nothing of that. This is your little, four feet by four feet, you know, I sat next to grandma and my mom would hold on to sing and the boat was chaotic as a kid i still remember you know they're very dim yellow
1: so there she is <laughs> julie's two and a half she's surrounded by 300 other people and they're floating in the middle of the ocean
2: when the food's running out the water is running out
3: you know the second day julie crying the crying then then my mother-in-law so angry that's Anne, julie's mom then uh, she said i use the bottle to throw in the ocean then she don't see the, the bottle, she not want any milk.
2: Grandmother becomes so impatient at Julie's hungry crying that she th- takes her bottle and throws it overboard to take her mind off of her hunger, she said.
3: Oh, yeah. She loved to tell
0: that story. Oh, then she loved to tell that story. yeah, Your grandmother did. Yeah, she loved to tell me that story. Really? You were such a pain <laughs> on the boat. I oh. threw your water bottle because you wouldn't stop crying. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay.
1: So eventually they land in Hong Kong and spend the next nine months in a refugee camp. Then the United States Catholic Charities sponsors them to go to California, and they wind up in Los Angeles, in Chinatown, 11 family members in a two-bedroom apartment. Anne channels all of her energy to getting Julie eye surgery. She finds an interpreter and convinces a doctor to take on Julie's case, even though they don't have the right insurance to cover it. And Julie gets the surgery. But it doesn't totally work and Julie would be considered legally blind for the rest of her life.
0: In a lot of ways, it was a very lonely childhood because of the vision issues I had. Um, Nobody understood what it was like to not be able to see um, like everybody else and to be excluded. You know, my cousins would all uh, go to the movies, and my uncle wouldn't take me because he said, Why? Why take her? She can't see. Or my sister and my cousins all got to visit our relatives in San Francisco, um, but my mom wouldn't let me go. And she said, your vision's not like everybody else's. No one's going to take care of you. And that was very devastating uh, at a very young age to feel so excluded and feel like something was really wrong with me.
1: The happiest times of Julie's life are the summers that she spends with her siblings and cousins. My name's Carolyn Hendley, and
4: I am Julie's first cousin, but we grew up together like we were sisters.
1: <clears throat>
4: I'm Nancy
5: uh, Ramos and I am Julie's. I'm also Julie's first cousin, but I think I'm her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Please, <laughs> because she tells me secretly every day. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's true. I am her favorite. When I mean, am I going to get to introduce myself? <laughs> Ooh, right now. My name is Lena Yip, and I'm Julie's older sister,
1: and I live in New York. Uh,
0: I don't know. Carolyn read them too. Yeah. I
1: Two did, weeks yeah, before yeah, Julie I, dies, those women are mean, in her bedroom talking like, about yeah. those summers.
0: Yeah. So we talk about the pool? So, Nancy lived in this um, condo complex that had a communal pool. And we could use it whenever we wanted to, basically. This was in Monterey Park. In, in Monterey Park,
4: California. Our grandparents lived with Nancy's and her family. And so, what are you do in the summertime? We didn't have summer camps. We didn't have any of that we luxury no of money. summer camps. So we just hung out. And it was free babysitting for you know for our parents, and so we'd go swimming at the pool. But it's shocking, shocking what our parents did because they would just let us go swimming at the pool unsupervised. None of us knew how to swim. We just go and hang out of the pool, and like eventually, somehow we figured out how how to swim. We we learned how to swim. We taught ourselves how to swim. (laughs) Like like, the idea of it today, is like it's crazy. My kids can swim today after many lessons. My kids are swimming but I won't I won't leave them unsupervised at any pool. And, and then, do
5: you guys know how you guys learn. Oh, yeah. it was with the uh, the with Olympics. The, the oh. Olympics we were watching the it Olympics. Was were, it was 1984. It oh, was 1984. synchronized uh, swimming. Right. We would pretend to synchronize swim. <laughs> that's right. And we were watching Esther Williams at the time cuz Lina liked to oh, watch yeah, a lot watched, of the classic American yes, movies um and right. we were so infatuated with with the idea of synchronized swimming cuz we thought it was so graceful. It was like everything we were not.
0: You know, after swimming um, in the pool, we would come back and grandma, our grandmother. Dripping, soaking oh, wet. Oh, soaking
4: wet.
5: Trampling all over the house. Uh, yes.
4: And, and grandma would be yelling <laughs> at you. <laughs> oh, yell at us. Oh,
5: getting yeah. the house all wet. You're getting everything wet. <laughs> what?
4: Go take a bath <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> you but messy. If but but if you imagine, imagine how it many. Was just. Her and how many of and us? There was were like there? eight of us running around at different ages. You and know? we were all screaming and loud, and it was. And grandpa didn't do anything. It was all grandma. I don't think grandpa was home. No, he was. He would. He was home. But he was home. He, and he just sat around. He just sat around, watch TV. Mm. And grandma was was the one who had to take care of all of us. And then oh, her special top ramen noodles. Yes, those were oh, good. I love, she had I love so she her. would have to. To feed these eight kids who were ra- ravenous from being in the pool for hours, for eight come- hours, <laughs> and we would come in, and Grandma would make like a big pot of this instant ramen noodles, and she would dress it up with all her, you know, things with like meat, so and meat
5: and meat and stuff. vegetables. Tomatoes. Yes, I remember tomatoes and and green vegetables. Oh, I love those ramen.
0: And then we'd come in you know, all noisy, screaming, laughing. And then she'd say, I remember, I remember she's like, you ladies, you should speak like young ladies and act like young ladies.
4: (laughs) Then she'd turn around and start yelling.
0: (laughs) And she just ruled the house, you know, with this iron fist. And anything that went wrong in the house, she fixed it. If somebody was having an affair, for example, what she she's fixed it. I'm just giving
4: an example. <laughs> <laughs> that's a I pretty know, dramatic she, example, Julia. Example. Like, like, what? What are I you know, suggesting she here? That, she is that dominant she, yeah, she, where she gets she, into
5: your private matters. She's a matriarch. Whatever she says goes, and so she would rectify things that she thought needed to be rectified.
1: No matter who you talk to in Julie's family, they'll all say the same thing about how powerful their grandmother was. Ruled with an iron fist, the matriarch no one questioned. And then, in the next breath, they'll just turn right around and compare her to Julie.
5: And they're very much alike, I'll have you know. They're very much alike. Very strong-willed, both of them. And very opinionated, stubborn, And at the same time, logical people. Practically the same personality, I would Hmm. say.
1: All the adults in Julie's life, especially her grandmother, they just keep telling her how much she won't be able to do because of her vision. She can't drive a car. She can't travel on her own. She can't read a menu without the help of a magnifying glass. And so Julie defines herself against all of that. She's really bored at her school for the blind and begs to go to public school with the rest of her siblings. She struggles at first, but eventually graduates at the top of her class and earns a free ride to Williams College.
0: My junior year, I was in China studying abroad. And I actually remember seeing my grandmother after nine months of being away and her breath. I thought, something's wrong. Your breath doesn't smell right and your lips look black. Of course, little did I know, you know, cancer, it's all over. But I, I often remember that, you
1: know. And now my kids, like, I feel like I have breath, too, and I'm like.
5: <laughs> I don't think she even knew she had cancer.
1: Here's Julie's older sister again, Lena.
5: She was in excruciating pain, so she had to go to the doctor, and the doctor said, we're going we're gonna to do surgery. And then, you know, they got her into this, the OR, and they opened her up, and they go, oh, okay, that's it. Everything got sewn back up because it was by then it spread everywhere already
1: when Julie comes home from college, the entire family spends every day in grandmother's hospital room sitting vigil
5: strange as it sounded, but it was it's it was great family time and then sometimes one of us would just would just burst out crying and um, and we just we we would just let that person cry until that person stopped. That's how we grieve. We grieve together as a group. She had five sons
0: and she had thirteen grandchildren, and we were all there. And um, the night before I was supposed to fly back to to Williams, I knew I had to say goodbye to her. And she was not responsive at this point. You know, she was she was, but she could still hear. And I went up to her, and I took her hand in my hand, and I said to her in Chinese at first, Grandma, I have to go back to school, so I have to say goodbye to you now. But after that, the things I said, I didn't have the words in Chinese to say, so I said them in English. And I said, I'm going to miss you so much. And that I love you. And I will make you proud of me. So, um, and I turned around to leave. And um, suddenly I heard sort of this uproar, kind of more crying in the room. And my dad, he put his hand on my shoulder to force me to turn back around. My grandmother was lying there but she'd lifted up her hand and was waving like this to say goodbye. And I think about how much energy that cost her and how much, and how much will and pain for her to say goodbye to me. But I always, I took that with me
1: after I found out about what she had done. And eight years later, Julie found out what her grandmother had done. My mother would have never told me had my grandmother still been alive. It happened that night that Julie was in Monterey Park with her mom, recording their family
0: history. And it was, well, it was after midnight, and she told me to turn off the tape recorder. And she, and she said, what I'm about to tell you cannot go on the tape all my life i'd grown up feeling like i wasn't wanted you know and i was i was the family was very ashamed of me the vision was kind of a curse on my family and my mother started telling me the story of what happened and what she told me was that when i was two months old my grandmother told her and my father to take me to an herbalist, and to tell him to give me a potion, a concoction to make me sleep forever. That's what she said, sleep forever.
1: So in Chinese tradition, the mother and baby spend the first month of life together in a room, away from everyone else. They rest, they recover, they form a bond. At the end of that month, Julie's grandmother is finally allowed to take her out of that room. She carries her to a window to see her in the light. And when Grandma looks down at Julie, she notices that Julie's eyes are milky and opaque. Her grandmother waves her hand in front of them, and they don't follow. And in that moment, Julie's grandmother makes a decision.
0: Because she was the matriarch, and she was the most powerful person in our family. She felt that since I was blind, I was doomed to a life that was not worth living. That I was doomed to, you know, a life without children, a life without a husband, because nobody would want me.
1: Early one morning, Anne and Peter dress Julie in rags. They get on a bus to the nearby city of Da Nang. They're carrying gold bars, treasure that grandmother demanded they take with them to pay the herbalist. Throughout the two-hour journey... Anne's looking around at everyone else on the bus, and she's furious. For them, it's just a normal day. But for her, it's the worst day of her life. In Da Nang, they find the large concrete building where the herbalist lives. They walk up to the fourth floor, and soon they're standing in a one-room apartment. It's lit by a single kerosene lamp. The floor is strewn with the bones of dead animals. The wall is lined with drying herbs and spices. The whole place smells like dirt. The herbalist assumes they're there for medicine to help Julie see. But Anne and Peter make it clear to him. What they're asking him to do is to end her life. Before they even offer him the gold bars, the herbalist says no.
0: He said, I I won't do this kind of dirty business. And so my parents went home with me still alive, and my grandmother was still very angry. She was really mad that... Her wishes were not obeyed. My mother said she would have found another way, but what happened was my great-grandmother found out, her mother-in-law.
1: Her mother-in-law. She was the woman who made Julie's grandmother's life miserable all those years ago when she was first brought to Vietnam. In Julie's family, great-grandmother's word was law.
0: And my great-grandmother told her how she is born is how she will be. So leave her alone.
1: Anne carried that secret around for almost 30 years, until that day she told Julie to turn off the recorder. They never spoke about it again, until this day, a few months before Julie died. — Talk
2: about when, when Julie was a baby, when she was born, and she was quite small. — Yeah. — Would that be all
3: right? — All right, everything all right. — But.
1: <laughs> Julie, her mother, Anne, and Mark, they're all sitting around Julie's apartment. — You have to kill this baby. Anne hasn't told the story in 13 years. I am so sad. I'm so Wait, sad. I, I, then he said no. Because this he
3: refused Oh, I'm so happy. Wow. Wow. We so grandmother say it's okay. Oh, everybody listen to her. Then oh then we just uh, live a normal life again. No more.
0: I haven't heard her tell the story since she first told me when I was 28. So it's been 13 years since I actually heard her say that. I haven't heard her say it repeated. And we've never talked about it since that time. Since the first time that we've acknowledged that it happened, you know. How do I feel about it? I can't believe it happened to me. (laughs) Like I'm sitting here, I'm like, was that really, like that happened? And it's kind of amazing that that was my story. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm affected by it too. As if I'm like a third party listening to it.
2: And you've, you've talked in the past about how, um, it could, you just know, you knew,
0: I knew, somehow. I knew, I knew in my soul that this had happened to me.
2: So it was familiar to you when you
0: heard it. Mm-hmm. Very familiar The story. I could see it all happening. Mm. You can see it.
1: Julie has so many questions, but there's one in particular she can't stop thinking about.
3: What after calling? What, college, why, why did you what
2: changed me? that day? Yeah. Why'd why me? did you tell me?
0: Why did you tell me,
1: mom? Maybe she she asked, she asked me,
3: but I forgot she asked me something that were, I don't know why that I tell her. But you've
2: been you've been keeping it inside all that yeah. time. Uh huh.
3: I don't tell anybody if I tell I feel to my mother in law. Is a bad, you know, bad person. That's what I keep. And you, don't I don't get. Uh-huh, you don't
2: want them to judge her. You don't want them to think she's uh, a bad person. But I
3: don't know. One day she asked me something that I tell the truth to her.
0: I thought she wanted to tell me because she couldn't deal with the guilt anymore. <laughs> that's why I think you told me, Mom.
3: Uh, I, I, I don't know. Did it but change I, your
2: feelings about your grandmother? Of course it did.
0: Yes. That's yeah, what I'm one. Very upset. I cried. I I thought, you know, it's like I can't believe my grandmother hated me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was devastating, and I had to work through therapy and like many years to to deal with it.
3: And the
0: mother-in-law
3: not loved her and loved her. Not for a long time. Yeah. Later she. But she loved the mother-in-law a lot. Because she knows not know something Julie happened. She loved like her that. grandmother. Yeah, very grandmother.
2: But, said, but her grandmother didn't love her. Is that what you said?
0: Yeah. And I think, in truth, my grandmother thought she was trying was doing me a favor, you know, like to, to, sa- to uh, keep saving, me from a very hard life. Right, saving me from a very difficult life. Now, who is she to judge, make that choice, you know, it's another question. But I think, to my, the point about the love, actually mom I think she did come to love me a lot at the end
3: at the end and when you grow up when I was, that's what a I, teenager, I don't know. She yeah really now uh,
0: uh and, yeah. and I remember that when I got my period my yeah. ninyet, my uh. period my grand she came over my mom had told her she came over and she put her arm around me and she said you're a big you're you're a young woman now
1: and no, that was her
0: greatest fear that I was gonna be this like crazy like blind girl who couldn't take care of herself like you know like couldn't be a mother and a a woman you Um, know and here I was like I was a I was a woman you know I had grown up and I'd reached this milestone you know she'd called me all the time like did you eat dinner yet what'd you have for dinner you know like she checked on me all the time
2: so she she did come to love you I
0: I, I believe so I really do I mean I've come finally come to peace with that
2: I don't know that everybody would be interested in in doing the work to redeem her the way you did.
0: Because I know I'm gonna see her. <laughs> do
2: you wanna to told- talk do you wanna talk more about that?
0: <laughs> what? I you know, I believe in an afterlife. Mm-hmm. I believe in spirits. I believe I see I will see people again.
2: Hmm.
0: And I think I will see her
2: you're ready I'm
0: ready I'm ready I've been ready for a long time I've been ready for like 13 years I've been preparing myself you know to have that conversation with her and to
2: to confront you, and, her and you think that will happen
0: I do I do yeah. I think she's waiting for me she's waiting for you yeah and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Her grandmother isn't the only person Julie expects to keep in touch with. She's been making plans for who she wants to keep talking to after she dies, how they'll communicate, and what signals to look for.
5: Will you come back and haunt me? Mm-hmm. Can you not do it at night? Why not? Because it's really scary. Mm-hmm. Do it during the day when I'm watching TV.
0: I've told everybody, though, that there needs to be a special signal.
5: <laughs> Flickering the TV.
0: <laughs> no, like, it has to be a special signal. Sing, but, like, <laughs> unflickering, okay, like, so that you know, like, it's unmistakably me.
1: Next time, Julie says goodbye. This show is hosted and produced by me, Eleanor Kagan. Our producers are Jess Hackle and Megan Tan. Joel Lovell is our editor. The executive producers at Pineapple Street Media are Jenna weiss and Max Linsky. Special thanks to Henry Malofsky for the conversations he had with Julie early on in this project, and to Leela Day for her help shaping episodes towards the end. Our music was composed by Glasser, with sound design and mixing by Hannes Brown. Julie's memoir, The Unwinding of the Miracle, is published by Random House and available now on Apple Books. Get it at apple.co slash Yip. Thanks to the Yip family, the Williams family, Mark Warren, Andy Ward, and Lee Marchant. And Julie, if you're listening, thank you for sharing your story.